Welcome to Seem Better with your hosts, Clayton, Caleb, and Alex. And welcome back to another episode of Seen Better. Oh yeah. Hope you're all doing excellent today because it's an excellent day. We're all still alive. Unless you're dead. Sorry. Condolences, but we're moving on. That was dark. <laughs> well, sometimes the sun isn't shining and you gotta make a moon. So what are we talking about this mm, episode, Clayton? <laughs> okay. <laughs> on this episode, we are gonna be sort of piggybacking off the last episode. Mm. But instead of doing Oh, uh, un- overrated movies. We're, going We're doing under the bridge. underrated movies. Water yes. under the bridge? No, under movies. Re- the rated slowly. <laughs> the underdogs of cinema. Yeah, but before oh, yeah. we get into that, next episode we're doing a new. We're going back to our series of just walking through some movies, and we're covering the 2016 horror action film, two hours long. It is Train <laughs> to Busan. Oh yeah, a man, Gong Yu, his estranged daughter, South and other passengers become trapped on a speeding train during a zombie outbreak in South Korea. So, it's a zombie outbreak. As this one person says, Toko Namangali says, "Walking Dead meets Snowpiercer, but in Korea, it delivers too." <laughs> I don't know what it's delivering. That's pretty accurate, honestly. Um. Yeah, thanks, thanks, bro. We appreciate yeah. that. It is in Korean though, so sorry, Caleb. All right, oh, not in English. Gosh, are you serious? Yeah. It's worth it though. <sighs> okay. Yeah, just... it is one of the most fun movies I've ever seen. How is it compared to that other train movie we saw, or that I saw some of? <laughs> train what? In theaters. The... Oh, Bullet Train. Yeah, I think it's better. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's better. Would you say it's underrated? <laughs> yeah. I would. Right. Yeah, but we're not going to cover <laughs> First that. First underrated movie, Train episode. to Busan. Yeah. Yes. It is pretty violent because it is a zombie movie. So Shoot. You I can't watch that. anything over PG. Oh, dang. Yeah, my mom's going to find out. No, dang. it's my dog. Oh. So our episode next week is going to be Train to Busan, so stay tuned for that. Coming out on the 18th of July. Isn't it crazy that we're like already almost halfway through July? Yeah. We're halfway through the year. Yeah. Crazy. That's crazy. And also, 4th of July was last week. That was epic. And the next holiday coming up, bro, I don't know. It doesn't matter. There's too many holidays these days, you know? Uh, Thanksgiving. What? That's not the next holiday. Halloween. Halloween? Yeah. October. I guess, like, major holiday. Uh, what happens in September? Is that Veterans Day? I feel like nothing is... Oh, there's um 9-11. That's not a holiday. <laughs> Mm, yikes. All right. <laughs> so let's All jump right, into the already. episode. Yeah, let's actually get to it. <laughs> yeah. The first movie we are talking about, Clayton. What is it? What's underrated? What deserves more ratings of higher level esteem? The first recognition. The first movie we're going to be talking about is a Disney movie. A Disney movie. Yes. By Disney himself. Not quite. This okay. was after he had sort of left Disney. I'm not sure if he had he was dead by this point. He left Disney? I think so. Oh. Well, I don't know. I don't. I'm. I don't keep up with the history of Disney, so I don't know. Mm. I just know he wasn't a part of the making of this film. But it is the 1981, I believe, mm. 1981 film, The Fox and the Hound. 
loosely based on the 1967 no- novel by the same name mm-hmm. by Daniel Mannix. Very loosely based. I haven't read the book, but apparently it's very different than the movie. Like apparently. emotionally or spiritually? Both. Okay. Yeah. Well, like the book apparently has a lot more focus on uh, like a different message. It's more about anti-hunting. Anti? Anti-hunting. It's both. Okay. <laughs> you can say either. <laughs> I'm an anti-hunter. <laughs> <laughs> about anti-hunting and uh, like anti-suburbia of the wilderness. Okay. So, yeah. Is that what the movie's about? No. <laughs> okay. See, I watched this movie and it was like one of, one of our family's favorite movies. Or maybe mm. we just kind of like romanticized that because we had the case, but we lost the DVD. Oh, no. Like, we don't know what happened to it. That and Madagascar 2. What a there tragedy. Was, we just had these two cases that were like the cases where we'd always like, whenever we were having like a family night and watching a movie and everyone would bring up a movie they wanted to watch and then we'd vote on it. Did everyone do that as a kid? I did I'm pretty that. sure my parents just picked a movie. <laughs> did you do that, Alex? Oh, yeah, I did that. Okay. Well, anyway... That we would always like just go downstairs or go to one of the like six different movie spots and then like we'd see that movie and just be like oh I remember the days but I think I've only I watched it like once days. or twice so it's not like those days were really magnificent or anything yeah yeah so I don't remember the, a whole lot about the movie I think I think uh, Bambi's mom gets shot that's in Bambi <laughs> okay but this movie yeah. does start out with the death of his mother so okay. yeah like Very... every Disney movie yeah, so they have the whole intro title sequence, you know, a bunch of shots of nature and everything. Some, uh, you know, just calming music. And then after that, it cuts to uh, mom getting chased by hunters and then shot. So mm. that's a very uplifting way to start a movie. Isn't she a hound, though? She's a fox. Oh, fox. right. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I can't believe they they hunt foxes. That's kind of like, like, you can't eat a fox, can you? Well, they don't do it for the the meat. They do it for the pelt. Oh. Yeah. So this movie is about anti-hunting then? No. Not the movie. The the book is about uh, anti-hunting, but the movie is more about innocence and friendship. Hmm. It's a more Disney-fied version of it. Gotcha. Yeah. And as far as Disney goes, this isn't like the best Disney film, but this is like a personal favorite of mine for Disney. It's got a uh, 7.2... Out of 10 on IMDb, and Rotten Tomatoes has a 72 on the tomato meter and a 78 audience score. So pretty close. Yeah. So it's not like it's uh, one of those um, overrated movies, you know, where it's like completely different of... <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Huge juxtaposition. Yeah. This one had a pretty close closeness to yeah. its close. But the reason I say this movie is underrated, I almost said overrated. <laughs> the reason I say this movie is underrated is because... I feel like, well, everybody knows this movie, but no one ever talks about it. Yeah. No one ever really brings up Fox and the Hound, like, Mm. in just civil conversation. It's always, like, Frozen, Pocahontas, Cinderella. Yeah, or even, like, the ones that came out around the same time as this, like, The Little Mermaid, Hmm. like, back in the the 80s, or or The Lion King, like, the Renaissance period. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because it's, like, not a musical, and there's not musical numbers. Yeah, they're well, like, they're, I, well, there are there are a few songs in it, but they're not like musical. It's like a character sings a few lines and then it goes back to the movie. Okay. So it's not like a musical, but characters do sing every once in a while. I guess it's kind of similar to Bambi in the fact of like not 
being a musical, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Bambi is much widely popular, much more widely popular. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's part of the reason why Disney movies are so popular is because of the music. Because a lot of people are really attached to the songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since this movie isn't really remembered for its music, 90% of the soundtrack is just like a normal soundtrack. Right. Not the characters singing. Mm. So, not quite as memorable, I guess, as the other movies of that time period. I pretty much rewatch it like every five years, just to refamiliarize myself with it. Mm-hmm. And it's been I, one of my favorites. I obviously, didn't watch life. it every five years because we obviously. lost the DVD. <laughs> Rest in peace, CD, <clears throat> DVD. Yeah. Oh anyways, my gosh! What? The release date is July tenth. That was like three days ago when we released the episode. Wait, what is it? It's Friday? Well, it's... it's this, No. Oh, that was One a day. day ago when we released the episode. Oh. So for the it, listeners, that was yesterday when the movie came out. But like... Today we're recording. 30, is the 7th. Uh, 40? 41? No. Wait. 42 years ago. 41. 41. <laughs> 41. Pretty short movie, though. 83 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely recommend... I mean, I'm assuming all of our listeners have probably watched it. It seems likely. I would hope so. Yeah, it's 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 a staple, you know. Who hasn't seen it? Probably I've a honestly, stapler. I have never met anyone who said they've never seen the Fox and the Hound. Hmm. Yeah. Like I said earlier, this movie has instead of like the book focusing on the anti-hunting and the anti-suburbia, it focuses a lot more on the friendship between Todd the Fox and Copper the Hound and the movie overall I feel like is just a lot about innocence I just rewatched it about an hour ago and wait you watched the whole movie yeah oh wow well I finished I it an hour ago clips. I finished it an hour ago yeah okay yeah. well I mean it's a short movie so I know okay, I could I just brought that in. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I brought it up yeah <laughs> so Todd and the Hound, Copper, they sort of operate on two different sides of a dichotomy where Todd is domesticated. I mean, he's a fox. Foxes aren't normally domesticated. He's domesticated uh, by this older woman, sort of taken out of his like natural place in the wilderness and sort of made to be a dog. So he's put into this world of sort of where he's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And through his innocence as a kid, he doesn't realize the danger that that puts him in and being in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And Copper is sort of like the opposite of that, where Todd is free to pretty much do whatever he wants. Copper is literally bound to a barrel that he can't leave. And Copper is the dog, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So with... <clears throat> The whole movie kind of goes off of the fact that Todd is not in his his right environment, and eventually the old woman uh, leaves him in the middle of the wilderness because she knows she can't take care of him anymore. Because I mean, they she loves him, they have a great bond, but she realizes that the right thing to do is to let him go into the wilderness. She's been holding on to him for too long, and it's just putting him in danger. Mm-hmm. So, and that's. Honestly, my favorite scene in the entire movie when she's dropping him off in the woods because it's, it's freaking sad, dude. Yeah. 
I was almost tearing up when I was just watching it. Yeah, because when you were you were thinking about how you had to leave me in the woods. Yeah, where you yeah. left me in the woods? What are you talking about? <laughs> when did I leave you in the woods? When we went on that hike, and you just went ahead. Well, yeah, but I kind of told you what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't unlike the in the Fox and the Hound, where she just gets Todd into the car, and then he is all happy, and then she's reminiscing on their times together. Hmm. She sort of sings a little song about how she'll miss him, and what makes it sad is that he has no idea what's happening he's yeah. just like oh we're going for a ride and then she leaves him in the middle of the woods and you just see the confusion on his face he's like you're going to be back right right but then she doesn't come back yeah if only she spoke fox yeah. i mean that's a big reason why i like this movie is i don't know it just really resonates with me on that level and just the the feeling of innocence it brings me back to when i was a kid and just having that innocence and not understanding the world. Because mm-hmm. ignorance, ignorance is bliss up to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times where you shouldn't be ignorant because um, I guess I can like put you in harm. And, yeah. yeah. But there are it's there is a blissness about innocence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what exactly what happens in this movie because eventually Todd can no longer be innocent and he has to he has to grow up at some point. That's just how the world works. And so, his, with his friendship with uh, Copper being so unnatural, it, it puts them against each other. Because in the beginning when they're kids, they don't realize, because of their innocence, that they're mortal enemies. Because Copper is being raised to specifically hunt animals, including foxes. So his entire destiny is to be an enemy of Todd. But they don't realize that when they're kids. And so eventually, when they are forced to grow up, that fate that they are under forces them to go against each other. And that's pretty much the main tension of the film, is them starting out as friends, then going to enemies. And then by the very end, they don't really go back to friends but they're not enemies anymore. It's like a neutral standpoint almost. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Cause Todd almost kills Chief, the older dog, that uh lives with Copper. And so after that, Copper just hates Todd, wants to get rid of him, wants to kill him because he's angry for what happened to Chief. And so there's that whole conflict between them and by the end Todd basically sacrifices himself for or like at least attempts to because they have that whole scene with the bear I'm sure you remember that I actually don't what do you remember the bear scene Clayton yeah okay yeah I'm kind of disappointed anyway so at the end of the movie (laughs) they encounter this bear while uh, Copper's owner is trying to hunt uh, Todd in the woods and encounters a bear and so they have this whole fight with the bear and uh, the hunter he steps into a bear trap ouch yeah very painful and then Copper tries to defend him from the bear and Todd's like oh I, I can't have that happen and so he jumps in the middle and fights the bear or tries to and then and so and then he gets hit by the guillotine 
There's not quite a guillotine. Oh. <laughs> not yeah, not quite. <laughs> no guillotines in this oh, movie. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and so their conflict through Todd's actions comes sort of back to friendship. Not quite friendship, but they come to an understanding. Mutual. Yeah. They're mutual like understanding. acquaintances. You yeah, know, you, pretty much. You play nice. You don't you don't wish the other person to fall to harm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's like what what you have to do a lot of times in just like civil discussion with people because maybe there's been some sort of some sort of fault on one person's um, line or fault lines anyway <laughs> I wasn't trying to <laughs> one uh, somebody's made a mistake and hurt someone else and it's kind of put a distance between the two of you and sort of mm-hmm. a a rift that can't be healed but there can be sort of a sort of like in the fox and the hound where there's just a mutual agreement to like respect each other mm-hmm. and you aren't really going to be friends again which you know sucks in in one sense but it's it's good in the sense that you don't just like hate each other yeah i think it's important in the movie going along with that that todd is the one to step back out towards friendship because he's the one that made the mistake of to, chief yeah to constantly be going over the line to the, the other property getting in trouble with the hunter and all that and so he puts himself in a vulnerable position to fight the bear copper sees what he does and then after the bear is defeated copper protects todd from the hunter and so they don't go back to being friends, but like Alex said, they come to that mutual agreement. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're, we can't be around each other just because the nature of what we do and who we are, but we're still we don't hate each other. Anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not friends, but we're not enemies and we'll respect each other from a distance because that's how yeah. it has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why I love this movie. I do remember... Now that, I've, now that I've been thinking about it, about stepping on the bear trap, I do remember that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it's honestly kind of shocking for him. A G rated <laughs> movie. Oh, yeah, definitely for him. <laughs> honestly, there are some parts in this movie that are like pretty dark, though. Mm-hmm. There's this whole scene once Copper goes off uh, on a hunting trip for like the entire winter, and Todd's all upset. And so all of Todd's friends. Are like yeah, you can't be friends with Copper because he's gonna come back a hunting dog, and yeah, that just can't work. So they bring him to uh, a shed of the hunter, and they open the door, and it's just full of uh, animal pelts. Wow. Yeah, and like if you think about that, like they're just showing this kid like yeah skinned animals of his oh, same gosh. species. And it's, it's real. Like, it's if real you think morbid. about it, that's freaking dark. That's traumatizing, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like just imagine like a human kid. And then you just show them, uh, like, the equivalent of that for a human. Like, that's... Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> Pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, overall, great movie. On I a think, scale of six to eight, what would you say? You can use decimals. 7.3. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I think on an objective scale, it's not an absolutely fantastic movie. I think it's a great movie. Like, it's good, mm-hmm. but it's not amazing in its technical ability, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But it really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. So, that's and, why. I mean, the Wikipedia page is not very dense, you know? 
Like yeah. it's denser than some, but I mean, still. it's not necessarily a very dense movie. <laughs> That's true. It's no Fight Club. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. On a scale of like Fight Club to Lord of the Rings, this is somewhere in the Disney range. So, the next movie though we're talking about is The Vast of Night, 2019 movie. It's an hour and 31 minutes long. 76% of people like this movie on Google reviews. And it's based in 1950. So, Alex, tell us about it. Yeah, so it takes place in uh, Calatuga, New Mexico. That's not real. <laughs> it's, it's not because they um, they filmed it in... Where was it? I looked this up. Hold on. Wait, that's not actually a real city? No. Oh. <laughs> that's You're funny. a visionary, Caleb. <laughs> they I don't think I know a single place in New Mexico. Uh, I, Flagstaff? That's GCU. Arizona. That's it. Flagstaff is in Arizona. <laughs> oh. Oh, my gosh. I don't. Oh, Santa Fe. That's fair. It opens into... Um, this frantic like school get together where they're trying to get ready for a basketball game and the scoreboard isn't working the buzzers aren't working and the recording for playback isn't working at all and so they're they're going back and everybody's like oh well last time it was because a rat chewed through the wires and so they they work on that they go back and everything appears to be working fine um and the main character makes some remark about nothing exciting happening in this, you know, small town. Oh, the typical small town. Oh, the typical yeah, small town go. thing, right? And so... That's not a trope. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's just kind of not very appeased with everything because he is the... Um, he's the, the host for the radio show that goes through and does the news and does like local updates for that town and his friend works at a switchboard which directs calls to people so in yeah back before cell phones were a thing you had a switchboard a switchboard you would dial in you'd get sent to an operator you would say who you want to connect to and they would connect you to that um person and that's how you would talk so there they're both kind of talking about how they're just kind of tired of this small town and how they can't watch the game because they need to go to quote unquote work where she has to connect calls and he has to go give updates on the game through the radio station so he can't watch it so he's getting like updates from like a phone call so he just has to like secondhand information um, so she's connecting people through the switchboard on their phone calls and one by one these phone calls keep on getting cut out and there is a, an electrostatic that gets played shortly after each one and then she gets one call that comes through saying there's something above this person's house on a ranch with the static playing and it cuts out and so she calls her radio friend and she's like yo, um, yo. I don't mean to bother you but your radio show is not like it's not being aired because all this electrostatic like my calls aren't even going through because of this electrostatic and so it starts with this like him saying you're you're stupid you're wrong you know this isn't working until he checks the playback 
and he goes through and sure enough as soon as he starts talking there's an electrostatic cutout and he's like I've never heard that before and so they get a moment of calm on their airways right where the phone calls keep on coming through and his his radio show is going through and so he puts out an announcement um, to everybody who's listening he's like hey we're going to play back this noise that we heard and um, if you know anything about this let us know there will be a reward um, there was no reward which made me a little sad oh. like the person who helped him Typical. out got, got nothing and I was like alright that's kind of dumb but um, it gets tipped off that it's not a military code which is what they originally thought it was and that it quickly turns out to be something extraterrestrial and so they they go across this small town talking to people who have lived there for a while and supposedly this thing has happened before and people just disappear after there are these like strange occurrences will someone will be watching tv or something the the static will go through people will observe them you know they're just kind of there they're kind of like out of it a little bit you know they're kind of just looking up at the sky and then they'll leave to go do something and they'll come back and the person's gone which was the first sign of like this could be interesting something ain't right yeah it was, <laughs> it was one of the like huh so this isn't your typical like alien movie but it was it was a nice little t- like surprise for it because usually they just go for jump scares so going into this movie did you did you know that it was about aliens i didn't oh, okay i kind of i kind of thought it would be like some sort of um cryptid type thing mm, closer yeah. to like bigfoot or something that only lurks at night so I mean, it was a, it was a good little surprise <laughs> Well, do you, yes, do yeah. you coming out of the movie though? Do you know it's about aliens? Yes. Okay. Okay, that's good. You retained it. That's yeah. yeah cool. You figured out what it was trying to tell you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of what it was trying to tell you, what was it trying to tell you? Um, aliens. Yeah, it was honestly <laughs> just a big conspiracy theory movie, which is why it kind of caught my attention because I I was like, this sounds like it could lead somewhere. I wasn't really sure where at the time, but um. Yeah, it's just a big conspiracy theory as to where, like, the government was covering up this, like, alien landing. Mm. And um, they they just take it, and they transported these aliens to um, go for testing and whatever. But they weren't sure where the people went because it don't, the, the aliens only come out on, like, times where the town is empty. So, like, hence a basketball game where people are out of town like hunting season that's when they make mm. their appearance okay so they wait till everyone congregates then take out the yeah the lone people they, yeah and so it's like they the lone people aren't even their their sleeper agents is what they are because you find out that there's this this phrase that they're hearing because there was a an older lady who had her son that was taken but she was recording her son through the night because she noticed that something was up and she heard him say these things, right? And so she, she wrote them down ad verbatim. And so it's like, it sounds, I don't know, it sounds like Latin, but I'm not sure what it was. I wasn't going to take the time to figure it out. 
If it's about aliens, it's probably a made-up language. Yeah. Automatically. Like Greek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so she would, um, the moment she would hear her son saying this, she would repeat it back to her son. And so, her, and then her son would repeat it one more time, look up to the sky, and then you go back to sleep. Mm. Nothing would happen until so one. It was her son, right? It was it wasn't her like son. an alien taking his place. No, it was her son because but he was yeah. just like brainwashed. Yeah, and it was just like so they would they would hover over, they would do this like thing, and then he'd say something like they were having like this conversation of some sort. You never really get to hear these conversations because it's only it's only through the people who have been taken. You don't get to see them enough. Um, but they're, the idea is that once that verbal conversation is happening, they lose track of what they're doing. They go into like this phase, right? And so they don't like, they lose all consciousness, but they're still there. So they're having this like one-on-one connection with whatever is above them. And either it sends them to do something or it directs them out to be taken away. And so they find this out and they have a recording from the mom. So they go to this open field and it's a clear sky and they're, they have like a, they have a little handheld radio that they're using to test. And the handheld radio cuts out. And so that's when they know that they're they're in this like little area. It's like, well, it's clear. Radio cut out. Now's as good a time as ever to test it. And so they, they play the recording. And then out of nowhere, there's just this giant mothership. It's like black. It's got green lights. And they look up. And for some reason, they're afraid. And I just remember thinking, well, then why do you play the tape? You know? Um... And you called it, it why are you scared of what shows up? Yeah. And then it cuts to the the playback machine just in the dust and they're gone. And I was like It wasn't it was pretty good. You know, I I wanted to know more about the aliens, but for being that sort of film and for it being put out by Amazon, so I didn't really have a ton of high hopes, it exceeded my expectations. And the way they did some of their shots was pretty good. So if they were, um, when you were moving between locations, if you were directed through a phone call or through um, radio, you got put through this like mini, like 1900s TV screen that would flicker and have like the grain there. And so depending on who was done talking and who they wanted you to see next, you'd either go back and be back in the present with the person who you were just with, or you'd go through the TV and be in this next scene. And that's kind of a cool technique. Yeah. They had that one. And then they had another one where if they just wanted to pan, so you would see like the next area they were going to, they had a camera that would go, but it wasn't at normal height. It was at like the height of like a dog. So like the fence post was right here. And so you'd see these things that normal, normally people wouldn't see. You'd see like the grass, you'd see certain things being moved, which they wanted, I'm pretty sure they wanted to indicate that it was aliens. Yeah. Um, but it was like, it was just a different perspective. And it was something I didn't see very often. 
and uh it's like a it was a nice little twist i was doing some research on the set and they they visited like five different gyms to film at before they found the right one and even then it had been updated so it was too new and so they removed the three-point line (laughs) for twenty thousand dollars to make this film oh wow yeah so they they paid the school twenty thousand dollars to remove the yeah to remove the paint line it's an expensive paint line yeah wow (laughs) yeah so they sunk they like instantly sunk 20k to make the gym look like it would back in the 1900s for them to be able to film this Mm -hmm. and that the the budget was only 700,000 oh wow yeah the um the you said it was amazon who made it it was actually ged cinema oh was it ged which if you haven't heard of them it's their first movie Okay, like that the, makes the sense because I have company. not heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like looking. I'm like, I looked on IMDb and British Film, or whatever, and both of them have just just a vast of night. So gotcha, okay, gotcha. first film. When I watched it, it was like Amazon original. I was like, oh, Amazon made this. Mm. So that's so. what I was like. I don't know if that. I'm not. I don't think Amazon has a team that actually makes films. I think they buy it. They yeah. might just acquire Dist- it. Yeah, because well, Amazon They're the is distribution. the distribution. Yeah, yeah. So but yeah, I had never heard of this movie till today. Yeah. yeah. It's well, a recent I, movie, right? Yeah, 2020. Yeah, 2020 is when it aired to the public. It was 2019 de- debut for, like, premiere. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And I just thought it was a pretty interesting little take on aliens because you never really see the alien that they speak of. You see the spaceship near the end, and then you you see what you assume is a beam to take them up to the, the spaceship and you never hear from it again you see the recorder in the sand Mm. and it's like just getting covered up by the wind and you're kind of left with a lot of questions but for a sci-fi thriller that's how it should be it does say mystery on the web so there's a a tomato review that says the story of Vast of Night is nothing particularly special the storytelling though is spectacular interesting yeah would you say that's accurate yeah Mm mm-hmm thought so because as far as like alien movies go it doesn't sound like it's too outside of the box no i remember i remember thinking after i saw it i was like well if this is like alien alien nope would have it beat nope still has it beat for the alien but as far as the storytelling goes you can't like the way they set it back everything felt like it was older you know because all their all their calls went through a switchboard they had a quarter inch cable that would go from an operator and he'd be like okay well you go here the moment the call is done they'd plug the they'd unplug it so your line's not busy so it's just that little detail where it's like you have to physically plug somebody into a call Mm, yeah well interesting i'll definitely have to watch this Mm -hmm. out of like 10 What would you rate it? Ten, ten what? Just ten on ten like, stars. Ten stars. I'd give but it like, um, like real stars. Like real stars. Mm-hmm. Like big balls of gas. Like a five and a half. Maybe five a six. A okay, six. Okay. Yeah, definitely gotta watch this though at some point. But I say that at a lot. I do too. And I have not watched any of those movies. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of if big I'm balls of gas and fire, the next movie. 
is the rain of fire with fire 2002 movie action sammy's action 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 (laughs) sci-fi movie um it's got a 42 percent on rotten tomatoes that's crazy that's a little lower than 61 that's the critics you don't need to pay attention to the critics Hmm. yeah Yeah. it's got a well it's got a 49 percent audience score 42 tomato meter yeah so she's weird Clayton, why don't you so, unbox this? Yeah, so this movie, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's uh, post-apocalyptic where dragons take over the world. And yeah, just conceptually, I think it's pretty awesome. <clears throat> Growing up, this was like a kind of a staple in my family. Everyone in my family pretty much likes this movie, and I have not met anyone outside of my family that has watched this movie. I have not watched it. Yeah, I've never, never heard of it. Yeah. Well, I think because when it first came out, like, obviously it didn't do well in the box office. Tomato ratings show that. But then, mm. like, coming, looking back at it, like, 21 years later, like, I was going just through YouTube, watching some scenes of it, and the comments were just absolutely filled with people who love this movie. Mm. So I think... I don't really know what happened, but like back then when it came out, people didn't really like it. But now, the people who do remember it absolutely love it. So, do you think that's more of a nostalgia, or do you think that's they actually do like it? I think they actually do like it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean the reason I say it's underrated is because I feel like not many people know about it. Mm-hmm. Well, it does have some popular people in it. Yeah, Christian Bali, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the, those are the only people I know in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean those are the, those are the big names, but like as far as technical ability goes, this movie isn't anything special. However, it is a very fun movie. What is two thousand two? Yeah. But speaking of like two thousand two, the special effects in this movie are actually like superbly done. Hmm. Like the dragons are completely CGI, and they still hold up by today's standard. Hmm good to know mm-hmm. I don't know what for but yeah it's good to know yeah <laughs> <clears throat> and they're just it's I don't know just watching this movie it's such a unique experience because there's just really no other movie like it mm. I mean there's post-apocalyptic movies where like aliens or zombies take over the world but there's not another movie where dragons take over the world mm. it just creates for a really unique and interesting set to the story and so the way that these people have to survive is just it's different than other post-apocalyptic movies Mm, because it's almost like a pre-apocalyptic you know because like dragons are always like in ancient times or whatever you know with like um merlin and that kind of thing yeah yeah but in this one it's like modern Mm -hmm. so how are you gonna fight you know, dragons in modern times, Matthew, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and they it, take over the world. <laughs> it it made eighty two million and budget was sixty million. So only a twenty million. That's, yeah. It's a low, low paycheck for each person, you know. Yeah, considering there's hundreds of people that work on that film, that's not a whole lot. Yeah. For years worth of work. Years. Movies yeah. take years to make. <laughs> well, not all of them. Most of them. Most of the good ones. Bro, I made a yeah. short film in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> and how many views does it have? Like 
And over, better question, was over, it good? <laughs> over a 50. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. I personally love this movie just because it's so unique and it's so much fun. I'm thinking for a future episode, we might talk about it. We are talking about it. We'll like go in depth to it. Yeah, and actually all of us watch it or something. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't seen it in like eight years. So I'm just kind of thinking like How to Train Your Dragon, but not animated. It's the first thing that sort popped in my head. Ish. I mean, the dragons eat everybody. I mean, so. yeah. <laughs> but like, that's the closest thing that I can like get into my head. It's like, oh, dragons. You know. But anyways, yeah, love this movie. I would recommend uh, anybody who likes dragons go watch it. Hmm. It makes me kind of sad at the same time too. Because it just makes me think of how many, like, the lack of dragon movies we have. Yeah. Like, real dragon movies. Or at least movies. good ones. Yeah. It's like we got How to Train Your Dragon. Um, I don't know. I don't, well, like, like Merlin, you know, and, like, yeah. Hobbit. But, you know, those are kind of, they're mm-hmm. kind of in another category altogether. Yeah. 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 But, like, when you think of dragons you don't really think of movies you think of like books books or games or like dungeons and dragons or something but not movies yeah. i think that's a real shame that one um that one book series uh indigor <laughs> no what aragorn aragorn yeah that movie yeah i watched that as a kid and it's not a very good movie <laughs> well i mean the book though yeah apparently the a- book's better a- aragorn I tried- <clears throat> is lord of the rings it's Arag- it's aragon it's aragon brisinger and then it goes into a couple more <laughs> aragon yeah aragon okay totally original i tried name. to read the book three times didn't work out it's a huge book it's a big well, book it was it was back when i didn't read hmm. so i'd read like um i'd read the michael vay series vay with v that's a v v is in <laughs> yeah michael vay wrote a velociraptor <laughs> um but then I tried to read Aragorn, Aragorn three times and it didn't work out. So then I never tried again. Hmm. I might try it sometime, you know, if, when I'm retiring and I have time to read. But that's that's in a ways. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it just makes me sad that there's not more movies with dragons. I think something needs to change about that. Hmm. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Speaking of dragons. Not at all. But <laughs> there are no dragons in the next movie. The next movie is The Whaling. It's a pretty long one. It's two not about half, whales. Two and a half hours. A no whales. A 2016 movie. Not rated. It's a thriller horror. And it came out in 2016. It's got a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Holy crap. How is this underrated, Alex? I had never heard of it before, and that's why I watched it. Okay. I it's, literally uh, never heard of it. The Whaling. Whaling without an H. That's whaling as an... Like, whoa! You know, like people do when they're like upset or whatever. Yeah, when Alex first told me about this movie, I thought it was about like hunting whales. And I was getting, I was getting excited because I'm like, oh yeah, this is right <laughs> like in my hunting alley. Hunting whales? Well, anything with whales is appeals to me. Okay. Yeah. They're animals, so they are under our dominion, according to Genesis. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a, it's, it's only got 86 um, like critic reviews on. Rotten Tomatoes, not bad. but it has a 99% critic rating and an 82% audience Wait, critic? Rating. Huh? Wait, wait, which one's the critic? 99%. Oh, okay. Yeah. With that's pretty good, dang. Yeah, that's pretty good. Not a whole lot of movies that get up that high. But yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of this movie either. So, uh... Is it a recent movie, Alex? 2016. 2016. Okay. 
Yeah, because it only know. made seven hundred eighty-five in the box office, not dollars. That's um, thousand. Well, it's better than Rain of Fire. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it? <laughs> no. Yeah, wasn't that eighty? Well, that was eighty-two million. Oh, I see. The budget for the whaling. <laughs> I misplaced some digits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple zeros. Yeah. So no the budget baby. for the whaling was eight million. Oh, okay. I don't know what I was reading, but I was wrong. The budget was <laughs> eight million for the whaling. The box office was fifty-one million. So big, bigger increase of profit, but not as much money. Mm. Those cash dollars are not flying in That's as shame. fast. So I take it there's not going to be a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good thing. The Wailing Part 2. The crying. <laughs> horror sequels are trash. 90% of the time. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a horror trailer. Or thriller. Or sequel. It's probably good. Hmm. I can't think of very many that are worth watching. Yeah. Is this movie worth watching, Alex? Um, Have you actually seen it? I did. Okay, okay that's, that's good. good. That's good. <laughs> it depends. I thought it was interesting. I didn't think it was too scary. What scared me was the the um i guess later on so it's so it opens up with uh, a japanese man and his dog they're kind of traveling and they set up you know outside the village of this korean village and um there's an infection that kind of breaks out people you know if they don't die from this mysterious accident that that they have they go insane um and so, like, the ho- their houses will burn down. Um, Dragons. <laughs> or, like, they'll they'll legitimately go insane and kill everybody in the house and then themselves. Um, and so the police are trying to, trying to frantically figure out what's going on. And there's a, a hunter that tips off the police and says, hey... I saw that uh, Japanese man in the woods, but he didn't look human. Like he was human, but he was not acting human. He had red eyes. Mm. And so that kind of sets it off. And the main character is this policeman who has a family. And he's going through and he's trying to protect everybody in the city, but he also wants his family, more, more so his daughter, to be safe this whole thing and just more and more stuff goes through and it's just um it's yeah just more more things happen people aren't getting killed they're they're taking their own life so it's not like it's not like a sign of struggle it's something that they're all being planned to do and they all have this like rash on their body so would it so would it be similar to the smile Kind of. Wait, have you seen the Maybe. smile, Alex? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> kind of. It it turns out to be like Spoiler. very paranormal and like demon possession type things. Okay. So, so it would be pretty similar to smile. Yeah. In a sense. So the policeman is just trying to figure out what's going on. And the the further he gets down the um this case the more he ends up seeing this Japanese guy and there's people who are warning him they're like hey don't look at this guy stay away from him the more you see him the worse things get 
you know, oftentimes these are people who just days after end up dying. And so he's he's going through and they search his the the Japanese man's house while he's away and they find this they find two rooms. They find one room attached to the house which has all this ritualistic stuff set up there, you know, goat's horns, pentagram, all this stuff, you know, a drum dead chicken oh no not a drum well like you know what I mean. <laughs> like dead crows stuff like that um and then his um his deputy is searching inside the house looks behind uh the this like makeshift coat rack that he has opens up this door and um they find all these pictures of these victims and that's when they find out that it's the Japanese guy who's doing it. And it turns out that the Japanese man is a... I don't know what to call him, because he's technically a shaman, but also there's a good shaman, you know, allegedly, in, in, allegedly that helps the cops. Um, but so they, they find out that the um the japanese guy is behind this and so the next day when they come back to try and arrest him all the evidence is gone except for one photo which is of the policeman and his daughter and so the policeman's disturbed and then he notices that his daughter is having these nightmares throughout the night well she'll just end up screaming and you know hence the name the wailing she's just obviously the position part is connected to the photograph so is the is that like the tool of which the possession gets transferred to other people through the photograph i think so it doesn't it doesn't say you're left to infer that because there's only so much the subtitles can do I, I went back and I tried to figure it out and it left me more puzzled than I would like. It's Japanese, right? It's, it's Korean. Korean. So is it in, in Korean? It is in Korean. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Caleb. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, the most xenophobic friend I know. Uh, it's not that, bro. I just like to, I just like to, you know, I'm, I'm an auditory learner or something. I don't know. Okay, okay. I'm more actually tactile, but. You know, I see. Words aren't tactile, unless like you punch someone and say "ow." I then, mean, is English tactile? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I'm going, I'm going through this movie, and I'm like, so far nothing's really scared me, until they come to this night where it's supposed to be the quote unquote good shaman is supposed to help the policeman with his daughter because it's just been getting worse, and they're like, "Well, your daughter's possessed." And so it goes through these scenes of, you know, tribal drums beating, fires being lit, um, certain animals being being slaughtered, and this guy just manically dancing around and singing. And then around halfway through his ritual, it pans to the Japanese man in his little room. He reset everything up, and so and he's doing his own ritual. And so they're having this like ritual battle, right? And I'm like, like first Kings. 
kind of. But it, it's like that didn't really scare me. What scared me was the fact of is like this is what godless people had to look for. They had to look for protection from shamans or hanging up sage or you know protecting yourself from curses going against these other these other gods and mm-hmm. i was like that that is what truly scared me the movie itself didn't scare me it's the the ideas the, it presents the ideas it presented yeah is what scared me the most um they did do a good job with their theming um a lot of the the thematics was there so like the dim lighting um a lot of the nights it was stormy because it was in like the jungle um the soundtrack was really good you could you could cue in on when they wanted you to hear the noise and when it would slowly fade out so you could hear something in the woods um yeah it was the soundtrack and the way they themed things were amazing but yeah that 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 scene alone left we left me with like the most like uneasy feeling mm-hmm. in my stomach and i was like i don't like that um just because i did, i genuinely didn't like that portrayal because it was so real i was like that's what people had to deal with yeah i mean kind of going along with that as far as the people i've met the people who are superstitious are just some of the most scared people yeah i've ever seen it's kind of sad. Yeah. Well, it's like, it didn't, like I said, it didn't scare, I just don't, if, if that's what it's like to not have some sort of faith, you know, that it's like a shocking realization. I don't want that at all. You know, it's like, there's, there's nothing out there that could possibly make any one of those rituals worth it for anything. No protection, no, no wealth, no nothing. Because that's, that's such a, just a, a volatile thing to do for things that may or may not last. Mm. So they're they're going through this ritual, and um, it's getting more and more intense. It it keeps on flashing back in between the the Japanese shaman and the Korean shaman, who coincidentally the Japanese shaman is in black, indicating that he's bad and the Korean is in white. Um, so is that like to symbolize the good versus bad? The good versus bad, okay. which I get, but also it didn't do a very good job. It just didn't, like I said, that whole scene didn't sit well with me. Um, was it a little too on the nose? Kind of. Yeah, it just really was. It was yeah, like... I mean, I feel like the, the black versus white thing is a very, like, typical way to portray that Mm -hmm. good versus evil so yeah yeah i can see how they could have done that a little a little more uh out of the box i guess yeah and so they're they're going through this thing and the the korean shaman is almost done so he knocks over this totem pole which resembles the black shaman and he starts driving like stakes into it but since the daughter is tied to whatever ethereal being that is giving the, sh- the the Japanese shaman his powers, every time he drives in a stake, the daughter's screams get louder and louder and louder. Mm. And so it flashes to 
the so it's like a voodoo doll yeah and it flashes to the japanese shaman struggling to get to his like door almost um you know almost winning and then he collapses and it's you know like you think you think that he won you know because this guy collapses brink of his door he's like oh so you think you think maybe that they they win but um the father seeing his daughter in so much pain doesn't let the korean shaman finish his ritual and so he kicks everybody out he apologizes profusely to his daughter and he assumes that everything is fine because they got most of the way through the ritual it's never fine at the end of a horror movie yeah and it it pans yeah it pans back to see the japanese shaman stand up realize he's not dead and go like straight to enacting revenge and this is where you see um another instance of what the hunter brought in earlier you see like because he mentioned the japanese guy in the woods hunched over red eyes and so that is him being possessed and being you know taken over and so you see that a couple more times um especially near the end when he is trying to figure out what's going on and trying to aggressively kill the uh the policeman of course the attempts don't work because he has plot armor of um, course <laughs> i think i think he probably should have died a couple of those times um but in in the end the policeman's not even sure what's really going on he's talking to people and he's like that was just a dream right it's like the no dream and so he wakes up this isn't the descent yeah he's like he's like he wakes up one night feeling restless realizing his daughter is gone and so he goes to look for his daughter and is approached by this figure and this figure is like he wants to know where his daughter is yelling at the figure the figure is like well your daughter is back home but you can't go back home otherwise she'll kill you all and so it's a really weird twist and i was like so is who's telling the truth here right so there's there's like this battle of like these shamans and then this one lady in white clothes that you see twice and she's like oh but if you go back now she's gonna kill you all i'm doing this to save you but you don't know if she's really telling the truth you don't know if she's really telling the truth so it's kind of a ambiguous ending kind of and well for that part it is the the dad decides he has enough and he goes back to the house seeing uh the daughter the only one is alive left so um his wife and his mom are killed supposedly by the daughter you don't really know allegedly yeah you don't see what happens there because supposedly it's the it's the demon that did it but you don't know whether the daughter was still possessed or not so there's a lot of like loose ends but um i thought it was good not not necessarily in like a horror sense but the thriller like mystery of it mm-hmm. and then like i said that that scene gave me chills and i was like that's good enough for me plus i had never heard it of this movie before until yeah. a couple of days ago 
It seems like the few people who have seen it really like it. Yeah. So. It is going going real quick back to Caleb saying it's unrated. It is unrated. Um, that doesn't mean it's safe for people. There's a lot in that movie. Uh, I think it's it's probably closer to to mature or R, you know, mm. just because of everything that happens. Yeah. Um, there's some there's some infidelity in there. There's like the the deaths are pretty gruesome. Uh, near the end, some guy like gets half of his face bitten off. So this is one of those things where it's oh, like, nice. yeah, it was, yeah, none of that. It really didn't add much to the movie, like I said. But like, I already, I was already unsettled from the ritual thing, and that was enough to make me continue thinking about it. So when you're like, "What movies are we talking about?" I'm like, we're doing this one, <laughs> yep, because <laughs> it was still stuck in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um. For a thriller horror that's in a language that I don't understand, it was pretty good. Uh, would I watch it again? It depends. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah, just, just glancing briefly at the parents' guide, it's got um, severe violence and gore, severe profanity, severe frightening and intense scenes, mild uh, alcohol, drugs, and smoking, and then mild sex and nudity. So... Be aware if you're going to watch this movie. Mm. So, The interesting thing about the IMDb Parents Guide <clears throat> is I feel like they should have something above severe or maybe below severe. Because, <clears throat> mm. at least from what I've seen, severe is such, such a bigger category than the other ones. Yeah. So, like, you have all, like, the... There's like the nun category with absolutely nothing. If it has a little bit of that thing, it's mild. Then if it has a somewhat decent amount, it, it goes straight to severe. And that ranges from like having a decent amount to like having a ton of it. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge range to the severe scale. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's not all that accurate. Yeah. Well, like there's only there's only a couple moments in the show or in the movie where it's like actually severe. Other than that, it's like what you'd expect in a horror film, not mm-hmm. anything super over the top. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, like, there should be something above severe. Because you have, like, I mean, pretty much every R-rated movie is going to have severe in some category. Yeah. But then that doesn't differentiate from the movies that have, like, actual, like, really severe stuff. Like movies that get banned in a lot of countries, there's no differentiating between those. So there's there's three categories: there's mild, severe, and none. Yeah, I think so. So I feel like there should be mild, like light, like light on it, you know, like light on the cheese mm-hmm. sort of thing, and then mild, maybe like, and then one between mild and severe. I think like a, I don't know, that'd be decent amount, <laughs> yeah, uh, or or a lot, and then severe, you know. Mm-hmm. Like much of, and then severe. Mm-hmm. I feel like severe is kind of severe. You yeah, because then you just have those like notorious exploitation films that are just absurdly severe in what yeah. they portray, and it's like, right. how can you tell the difference between that and just a typical R-rated movie that's way less violent or way less sexual mm-hmm. than that other extreme movie? Mm-hmm. Like, so all that to say, 
look at the those ratings, but don't base everything off of them. Yeah, because they're not perfectly accurate. Yeah. Well, actually, there there is another category. It's moderate. Moderate. Okay. Yeah, it's I, a, I don't see that one very it's much. It's a little more. Yeah, there's, it's a little more than moderate. It has like has like raid levels at times, but even the raid was a realistic amount. Mm-hmm. So I think like I think realistic should be a category for it. The next movie, speaking of severe, it's got Michael B. Jordan. Oh, 2012 yeah. film Chronicle. It's an hour and 24 minutes long. It made 111 million in the box office, like profit, because it had a budget of 115, and then it had a box office of 126 million. And it was directed by Josh Trank. No idea who that Love is. Love that guy. <laughs> I don't know what he's done, but mm. that movie at least. Yeah. Oh, Fantastic Four. Okay. That's the only <laughs> movie I recognize from him. <laughs> so what's this movie about, Clayton? But yeah, so this movie, as opposed to <clears throat> the other two movies I mentioned, I think this movie is actually, like, really well done. Just, like, in the technical ability, in the story, and the characters. I think it's all really well done. Okay. I watched this for the first time last year. It's sort of a sci-fi thriller kind of thing so it's about these three teens who find this object in the ground in the field and it's pretty heavily hinted that it's like an alien object and so this alien object it gives them all powers and so it's at least I think there's three of them there's <clears throat> Michael B. Jordan's character another guy and then the third guy which I don't remember his name but he's kind of this uh, loner character and so what I like about this movie is instead of taking the typical like hero origin story, it's more of a villain origin story. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> so the movie once they first get their powers, it focuses a lot on them just being like teenage boys and having fun with their powers. They just like mess with people. There's this one scene where Michael B. Jordan's character just moves a car slightly to mess with this lady there's another scene where they're in a supermarket and they scare this kid by making a, a teddy bear float because they're sort of psychic in that they can like move objects with their mind and then eventually once they get more powerful they can learn to like fly okay by moving themselves and so that whole like messing with people progresses to the point where they're in a car and there's this like jeep or truck I can't remember right behind them and it's tailgating for them for some reason and so the sort of loner guy he thinks it'd be funny to mess with this guy but he takes it a little too far and pushes the truck off the road oh yeah uh oh and I can't remember exactly but I think the guy in the truck dies okay so he sort of inadvertently murders a dude using the powers <clears throat> then after that they the friendship sort of goes off the rails. The loner guy just gets increasingly more depressed and angry. And ultimately, as they get more powerful, it becomes him versus his friends. And that he's now this sort of supervillain uh, terrorizing the city while his other friends are trying to stop him. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that's 
a big reason why I like this movie is that it's so different from your typical superpowers type movie. And honestly, it doesn't even really feel like a superhero film. It feels like... Have you guys seen Super 8? Um, the dog movie? No. <laughs> oh. It's, it's a movie about this kid who's making a film, finds an alien. Anyways, it's, it sort of has a similar feel to that, more so than it does to, say, like, Marvel or something. And the reason I say that is because this movie is sort of filmed like found footage mm. and that the characters have a camera. Gotcha. Which brings me to one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. But the, the loner kid, he has... Like, once he starts turning bad, the camera, he he uses his powers to hold up the camera behind him in, like, third person. Oh, my God. And so you see through... You see him through the third person perspective of the camera he's holding behind him and then he kind of just goes like on a rampage doing his evil stuff and it's it's super cool that's really yeah. cool it's awesome i need to watch this movie yeah you do it's yeah. great i'll watch is, i'll rewatch is it, it in you. english i mean it yes. is put in seattle so yeah it is english <laughs> okay. okay good to know but yeah highly highly recommend this movie it is both very well made and very enjoyable so if you haven't seen it definitely go watch it Gotcha. Well, I I for sure will. It sounds very fun. Mm-hmm. I'm. Huh. You don't know if you're gonna watch it. Yet? No, it looks familiar. I just looked it up because it sounded like you were describing stuff that sounds familiar. I always thought this movie was a fever dream, in my head. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> that was like me with a uh, the something doctors emporium. Here it is, 2007 movie, Mr. McGorium's Wonderful Emporium. Oh, I did see that because I had seen this movie. Yeah, but I then, watched like, that as no a kid. one would ever talk about it. So then I was like thinking back to him, like maybe that's just like a fever dream, you know? Maybe it's not actually real. I haven't seen that movie in ten plus years. Then I haven't thought about it in ten plus years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and um, uh, the one movie, the uh, the family of Robert Robertsons. Meet the Robinsons? Yeah. That movie. I love that movie. That's also an underrated movie that people don't talk about. Hmm. Now let's move on to some of the movies that the internet thinks are underrated. All right. Let's evaluate them. I've already looked through this list and I have not seen any of them. So I'm just going to let you guys (laughs) have at it. I'll I'll give you the movie and then you guys can say, um, you know. None, moderate, mild, or severe. Severe. (laughs) Severely overrated. Um, The first movie is Assistant, came out in 2020. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Rules of Attraction. Heard of it, haven't seen it. Heard of it. Okay, Village. I have seen it. I think, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's underrated. It's a fairly well-known movie. It's a, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, so it's pretty well-known. I think it's overhated at anything. It's not a fantastic movie. I do think it is a good movie, but I think people hate on it way too much. Alex Stotts, have you seen it? Haven't seen it. Okay. Beyond the Lights, 2014. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Stardust, 2007. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. All right. Daredevil, 2003. Oh, I have not seen that. I've seen like a classic. I watched it like that. I don't know. Because I was... Because like I've had the opportunity to watch that movie, but I've avoided because superhero movies at that time were not good <laughs> yeah I mean I'm just looking at this trailer and man 
Yeah. Um, the TV show was great, but yeah. The next one, Jennifer's Body. I have seen that. I haven't. Yeah. I I don't think it's underrated. I didn't really enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. It has some some pretty humorous parts to it that I like, but overall I thought it was it was all right. So I think it's pretty fairly rated. Gotcha. Win a date with Tad Hamilton, 2004. Never heard of it. Haven't even heard of it. Speak, 2004. Nope. Nope. Bro, this this website likes 2004 for some reason. Dang. So underrated that we haven't seen any Locke of these movies. Locke with an E, 2014. John Locke? No, haven't seen it. Haven't uh, seen it. Locke, just Locke. Hmm. Uh, Empire Records, 1995. Nope. Nope. Sleeping with Other People, 2015. Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces. So they... Western? 2006. No. It's a... Uh, is it Bank Heist? I, I don't know. It sounds like a Western. I don't know. It, it's not a Western. It's got a... Um, like a Glock. In the... <laughs> 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 now they had Glocks The back Thing then. That You Do, 1996. Tom Hanks. Nope. Nope. Better Off Dead, dot, 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 1985. Nope. Max, 2002. Nope. In a World, 2013. Nope. nope. Sunshine, 2007. Nope. nope. Near Dark, 1987. Nope. nope. Disobedience, 2017. Nope. Nope. Big Fan, 2009. Nope. Nope. Chef, 2014. Nope. Nope. The Count of Monte Cristo, 2002. I've heard of that. Nope. Never seen it. <laughs> uh, Vigilante, 2019. Nope. Nope. Just Write with a W. Nope. No. I am not an uneasy man. Twenty eighteen. Nope. No. Mississippi Masala. Nope. <laughs> no. The boy who harnessed the wind, not harassed. I have heard of it. I've heard it's a very good movie, but I have not seen it. Haven't seen it. Gotcha. And there's another website with twenty underrated movies with huge plot twists. Since none of us have seen oh, any of those. Sisters seventy two. No. No. <laughs> Angel Heart eighty seven. Nope. Nope. Eighty seven. That's the year uh, my car came out. My previous car the game 1997 no oh no i was thinking war games but no, no uh, it's got david fincher he directed no wait i don't know what he did hold on was he producer david fincher knows how to tell a good mystery written by john bracken mm. i don't know okay uh the american 2010 nope nope the moon or just moon 2009 <laughs> Nope. No. Inside Man, 26... 2006. <laughs> 26. <laughs> nope. Nope. The Mist, 2007. We saw that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I don't think it's underrated. Because hmm. a lot of people know about it. And yeah. Everybody I know who's seen it, like, they, they like it. I was like, I, I knew about it before I started delving into the horror genre. So if I knew about it, you know? I, th- I think it's I think it's the right where it's supposed to be. Yeah, because yeah. it's a pretty well-known movie, but it's also not, like, a masterpiece. It's like, so. yeah. Yeah. A Tale of Two Sisters from 2003. Nope. nope. Predestination 2014. I have not. I heard it's very good. Though. I haven't heard of it. Hmm. Buried 2010. That's on my list to watch. I haven't it's seen it. It's uh, Ryan Reynolds. Hmm. Maybe we'll, we'll cover it the next next week. Yeah. <laughs> Devil 2010. Nope. No. A Cure for Wellness, 2017. Nope. nope. And that's actually, that movie is played by the same actor who plays a loner in Chronicle. Oh, oh cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dane, his name is Dane DeHaan. That's with two A's. 
Gotcha. Uh, Chinatown 2074. <laughs> I mean, 1974. <laughs> wow. Cyberpunk. Yeah, Cyberpunk. <laughs> Chinatown. Anyone seen it? Nope. Nope. Hope? Nope. Okay. Identity 2003. Nope. nope. Coherence is on there. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> underrated. That is that underrated. That's a great yeah. movie. What what makes that movie underrated? The plot twist. Well, the fact it's a it's a great movie, and not many people have seen it. Yeah. What so. what episode did we cover that in? If we've got any new listeners, that was the sci-fi, sci-fi and fantasy episode. Yes. Maybe episode nine. Episode nine. Go back and watch episode Maybe. nine if you don't haven't. quote me on that. <laughs> um, Clayton and Alex really dive into coherence. I didn't a whole lot because I haven't seen it. So I'm gonna watch it one of these days. I you know, maybe when I actually have time to watch things. But yeah. Um. So that you said that was horror movies or was it sci-fi? It's sci-fi 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 and fantasy yep so that was our ninth episode that came out on april 11th oh, i did get listeners. it right episode nine yep. <laughs> i'm proud of myself he remembers sorry to bother you 2018 nope the nope. skin i live in 2011 nope. nope the house that jack built 2018 i have not seen it um <laughs> i have seen it you have Thoughts? i decided not to talk i was going to talk about it today but i oh. decided not to it was too gory for me to want to it's talk about movie. but you're it's a messed about up the whaling movie. this it's is more messed up oh really this is way way worse it? i have not seen it but i know what's in it and it's this is way worse <laughs> hmm. all right well yeah <laughs> the frailty 2001 nope old boy 2003 i want to watch it but i have not seen yeah. it I mean, it's the number one on this website, so... Also a Korean film. In terms of plot twists, that, the second list I gave you was ones with plot twists. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next week, though, we're doing another <clears throat> unra- underrated movie, according to Clayton. We'll see if that's Train true. The Train to Busan. It's a zombie thriller or something, so go ahead and watch it's that. Like it's, a, on... it's like an action movie gotcha. with zombies. Okay. So, so. It's not a, I wouldn't call it a horror movie. Well, Clayton says it's very good. That. It's on Amazon Prime for anyone who's got that... So go ahead and watch that before next week. And we will see you next week because next week is July 18th. Thank you all for watching. Listen to our Instagram. Drop a follow over there. Rate us. Give us a four stars if you think we deserve four stars because I like four stars. And if you think we deserve more, then give us more. You know? Fire away. (laughs) Deliver some packages. And let's (laughs) sail away. Well, that's all for we have for you today, folks. Thank you all for listening. See ya. Bye-bye. <laughs>